time travel, sci-fi adventures, and risky rolls of the dice lie ahead. Hello, and welcome to Anywhere But Now, a Doctor Who actual play podcast. I'm your host and GM, Casey Jones. The next hour and a half or so holds a thrilling adventure in time and space, so let's dive in. With me is the daring crew of our time-traveling machine. Playing the fixer is the charming and resourceful Brandasorio. Hi, Brand. Hello. And joining him again is Maeve Sullivan, played by the ebullient Kate McCoyne. Welcome back, Kate. Hey there. Finishing the TARDIS team is Pandora Beatrix as the delightfully chaotic Calamity Hap. Yo! Salve! Are you all excited? You feel that energy? House rules mean our players begin the game with five, count them five story points each. However, since they are resuming a mod, they're going to pick up with the story points that they had yesterday. Get ready for a collaborative, immersive storytelling experience. And don't forget to stick around after the game for interviews with the players. A bigger on the inside thank you to our listeners. Time is such a gift. We thank you for spending yours with us. If you like what you hear, please leave a review, rate the show, and follow us on Blue Sky or Twitter at Anywhere But Now. Share the show with your friends. Word of mouth is a huge help. Have questions or fan art you want to share? Come by our Discord or send them to us as an email at anywherebutnowpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like me to run a game for you, find me on startplaying.games. Links to everything in the doobly-doo. We are in part two of Keys to Fairyland. Brought to you wherever you're listening in time and space. This is Anywhere But Now. Previously on Anywhere But Now, our heroes woke in a pit and after some early struggles managed to climb and claw their way out of a literal hole in the ground infested with sticky slimy memory worms that had successfully wiped all recollection of our intrepid heroes of the previous 24 hours. They do not know how they got here. They do not know why they're here. What they do know is they don't know squat. They found a cheem woman named Lady Daphne, a tree with bark and a face and the figure of a woman planted steadfastly into the ground, her roots likewise festooned with memory worms. They were able to help her regain her wits long enough not only to get the back of Maeve's jacket all slimy with memory worm goop, but also retrieved a map of the kingdom that they currently occupy. With that map, they traveled south to the wizard where they received a number of potions, questions without answers, and riddle-like suggestions from a very old man in a long, tattered scarf. They were interrupted briefly by the arrival of a clockwork courier, a TikTok man, arriving to pick up potions and elixirs for the queen herself. They followed Step back to the walls of Clockton, the TikTok town. They wisely stayed away from the Ogre's Keep, where a story's tall behemoth could be heard snoring as loudly as a jet engine failing to turn over. In Clockton proper, they discovered an entire town full of more tick-tock automatons with powdered wigs in provincial wear going about their business doing absolutely nothing of import. The bread is wooden, covered in paint, 
and the suggestion of visiting the library was cut short when they realized it was in fact deadlocked. Maeve's intrepid pursuit of the truth revealed that there is an actual library in there. However, they were unable to gain access. Briefly tempted by a sojourn to the jousting Jadoon, they instead made their way to Matilda's Pond, where they found a small frog that they believe and theorize might actually be Nigel, the gardener, friend and possibly paramour of the root-bound Daphne. Successfully catching the frog in the net, Calamity discovered the frog did not like being away from the pond and uh, beneficently let it go so it could keep its froggy skin moist. The fixer, with a broken Sonic, instead smashed his way into the gardener's shed by the pond where he found a riding mower-sized device that a manual written by Nigel himself confirmed that it is for the uprooting of trees. They made their way towards the castle, theorizing correctly that their missing friend and advisor, the Auditor, another Time Lord, might be, in fact, waiting for them in the dungeon. Queen Makana, her majesty of the kingdom of 1030 and no other time, was only too displeased to greet them with the Fixer's abrupt arrival and announcement of, hi, we'd like to rescue our friend in your dungeon, and was quickly met with being thrown into the dungeons themselves, but not before the protestations of the Princess Matilda could be heard as the queen raised a finger and exploded the jacket that Maeve hurled at her in an attempt to besiege her with memory worm goo. The queen, her keys jangling on her hip, appears to possess strange powers in this magic land. Trapped now in the dungeon proper beneath Castle Makana, our intrepid heroes find uh, none other than the auditor asleep or unconscious under a threadbare blanket. They turn him over to wake him and discover to their horror and amazement that he had no mouth. in the dungeon. The auditor sits up with alarm. Calm down, dear friend. We are here to rescue you. Overall, everything's going according to plan. Mm-hmm. Maeve, perhaps you could loan the auditor your notepad and um, pencil? Yeah, that might be useful. And I will hand the notepad and pencil to the auditor. Mm-hmm. The auditor takes Calamity's shoulder and gives it a grateful squeeze for the idea. The auditor gratefully takes the paper, goes to lick the tip of the pencil and realizes he has no lips nor tongue that he can actually reach, sighs through his nose and starts scribbling on the sheet and turns it around. Queen Makana equals Time Lady. Huh, unexpected. All right, Uh, do you know how we got here, how we, because we don't remember there were worms, memory worms. 
write it mm-hmm. down, maybe? Mm-hmm. We, we can't he- understand you. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And he starts, like, writing in very small print as he can on this, like, I'm assuming that this reporter's pad is roughly the size of one to maybe two decks of cards in overall size, and just starts scribbling as fast as he can. The auditor discloses that Makana is a time lady, and uh, Matilda is her child. When he tried to protest what she was doing, all four of us were transported to this place. For extra measure, the auditor, who actually realized a shred of what was going on, in addition to being lightly mucked with the memory worm, had his mouth taken away. By Queen McKenna? Was it a specific rule that you broke, auditor, that resulted in her taking away your mouth? He writes out, she doesn't want me telling you what I've figured out. Stare at him expectantly. (laughs) (laughs) He starts scribbling again, and the letters on the page warp and dissemble before they can form meaningful words. So instead, he scratches on the shape of a key onto the page and outlines it with action lines. So we need some kind of key. Is it here? This all tracks, we're in a prison, so it makes sense we need a key to the door. (laughs) (laughs) Way more important key. Key to everything, key to the city, jousting (laughs) thing. (laughs) But luckily, you can win those at the joust. (laughs) Fixer, Maeve, Calamity, give us an awareness roll, please. Awareness and intuition. That's a one and a four for a total of 12 for me. An 11 with a three and a three on the dice. The average is average. Okay. I've got a 17 with a six on one of the dice. Well, hot damn calamity. You hear water trickling. It's very quiet, but it's possibly underground. Sounds like there's some water underneath us. Could mm-hmm. maybe an underground river or, or some sort of plumbing system? Is, is there a, like a drain or anything in the floor or what is the floor? Is it dirt or stone? The walls and floor all appear to be masonry stone. You start like looking around, following your ears towards the sound of trickling water. There is a slight cough behind you on the other side of the jail cell. <laughs> I'm... Terribly sorry, mother gets ever so angry when she's disobeyed. The princess has tiptoed down into the dungeon. She is not getting too close. She is safely out of arm's reach. And if she does try to get closer, the two tick-tock guards with pike stabs to keep her a good couple of feet away from the cell door. Bow very low. Most honored princess, we are... So thankful to be in your presence. It's an honor. You're your new people. It's so nice to see you. We haven't had <coughs> we haven't had anyone anyone visit the kingdom in ever so long. Are you alright? Your cough doesn't sound great. Mother says I'm sickly. <coughs> I can't disagree. I'm so tired most of the time. And she calls me a weak slip of a girl who should know her place and behave. 
doesn't she know that it takes a lot of strength to be functioning through life while you're still dealing with sickness? You're probably way stronger than she realizes. The princess gets a thousand-yard stare, gazing past you, and just says, Mother knows ever so much about strength. Probably not as much as you, though, huh? I do know things. I do know them. Like, when my mother uses her magic, she gets tired. She's resting now. That's why she couldn't object to me coming down here <coughs> to, to visit and see you. You're not really bad, are you? She's just so short-tempered. No, I don't think any of us are bad here. Well, except for oh, him. Who's him? Him might be the wrong word. He is, he's so big. He's too big to be a him. He's so big, he's an it. Oh, are we talking about the ogre? <laughs> you say the word ogre and she turns white as a sheet and shrinks back a whole foot. Yes, ogre. Isn't he sleeping? He's a very light sleeper. Terribly light. He'll wake at the slightest thing sometimes. I I don't leave. I don't go anywhere. Once I could visit the town and walk around, but the ogre, <laughs> it would walk past the town and I got frightened and mother wouldn't let me leave the castle again. Well, it's not good to be stuck inside all the time. No. And it sounds like your mother is making decisions based on fear, not on strength. There's ever so much to be afraid of out there, don't you know? Well... Oh, we're just out there. It's not so bad. Not so bad? Memory worms, but once you know what's going on, they're easily avoided. Do you remember when the memory worms came to the kingdom? The memory worms... I think my mother might have made them. She's, she's ever so powerful. All she has to do is think really hard and her wishes come true. She wills things into, hap into happening, and her will is so very terrible. And as she's saying that, the auditor, still blank-mouthed, comes up and uh, taps on the key surrounded by action lines and hands it to Maeve. Well, you know, we could maybe go on a bit of a walk, and we'll be there to keep you safe. Unfortunately, we're locked in here, and we need to not be locked in here in order to protect you. You, you want me to leave with you? Just for a little while? Just a bit of a walk? I mean, only if you want to. Give me a presence and convince, Maeve, with a plus two from Calamity for chipping in only if you want to. She rolled an eight. Her resolve is a two. What you need to beat with your presence and convince is a ten. I rolled a five and a two for a 15. The princess gets just a glimmer of mischief in her eyes and says, Mother does take rather long naps. Thus, give us privacy, please, because I say so. And the guards and take an extra two steps past her so that they are now on the far side of her, they're behind her, so they are no longer between her and you guys, and she, she tiptoes closer. Do you think if if we went out for a little while and we were back before 10.30, we, we might not wake her and upset her, but you have to come back to the dungeon. You have to come back. Or, or she'll be ever so cross. You don't want to know what she could do when she's cross. 
And the auditor nods and... Princess, I will promise you that I will return to this cell at the end of our journey. Before, if we can, before your mother awakes. But I want you to promise me something. What's that? If you find yourself in a situation where you might access your mother's keys, just know that you are stronger than she is in many ways. And if you had those keys, you would not have to take the abuse you're suffering. Presence and convince at disadvantage because you're trying to refute something that's been indoctrinated in her as long as she's been here. And that time she only rolled a five with that same resolve, so the number to beat here luckily is only a seven. Well, I got a nine on the dice, unfortunately. Sorry, a nine in total. Unfortunately, one of the dice is a one. Okay, so that is going to be a yes, but yes, you have temporarily convinced her it might be okay to go with you, but at the first sign of trouble, she might tuck tail and run because this girl is even down here, even in the safety of a castle with thick fortified walls since the ogre has been brought up, since her mother has been brought up. She is quite like pale with fear and not quite trembling, but probably on the verge of doing so. So I'm sorry, what is, what is your name, uh, your, your princess? <coughs> uh, I'm Calamity. I'm Maeve. I'm the Fixer. Introductions are terribly important. They're a sign of good manners. I think that's why my mother threw you down here, because you didn't introduce yourselves properly. And she's, she's ever so driven to decorum. It's, it's ever so important, she says. I'm, I'm Princess Matilda. And she does a little, very slow, practiced, but still kind of awkward curtsy, then straightens out her skirt and says, It's a pleasure to meet you. And the no-mouth man. Likewise, yes, that is the auditor. <laughs> we would like his mouth back eventually. Oh, that's mother's magic. I can't, I can't, I can't break mother's magic. Mother's magic is everywhere. We'll figure it out. Matilda, I have a couple of questions for you, and they may be a little scary, but it's okay because they're just questions, all right? All right. And she pulls a little handkerchief out of her sleeve and starts to wring it as a as a fidget. So the things that your mother does, um, that she makes uh, come true, does she have to say them out loud? Or can she do it just by, you know, scrunching up her forehead? She made the lady's jacket go poof with just shouting enough, and she snatched the, the, the map out of the tall man's fingers in the nice kilt without saying a, a, a summoning spell. She just had to think it hard enough, and it happened. I see. Well, has she ever tried to help you not be <coughs> unwell? Mother says staying in the castle is for my health and the broths. The soup, the wizard, outside the city gates. He makes me soup that's supposed to make me stronger. <coughs> I see. Why doesn't she just do that with her magic if she can do basically anything? She says she's not a cook and that's not her job. Anyway, that's what wizards are for, so she says. I see. All right. This is the one that might be scariest, but and I apologize, but what exactly has the ogre done <laughs> that makes... Uh, it bad. The ogre's story's told. He smashes anything in his path. He has a terrible temper. And he's so loud. As the princess is breathing about the ogre, in the vast distance, you hear... Tramp, 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 
of something truly massive just walking around, and there's little sifts of dust falling from overhead with each impact. It's very dangerous. His strength is mountainous. He's terrible. He's the worst thing ever. Well, sometimes things are big, and they can't really help being big, and being big often means that you're, you know, also strong, because that those things tend to go together. And, well, the crankiness, I'm told, is, you know, probably sleep deprivation, which that happens to anyone. Um, but I would like you to consider the possibility that he would prefer not to hurt anyone or smash anything, but it's difficult for him to not do that just because of the way things are. That was sort of another question. Like, why didn't your mother just make him normal-sized? Because it's the rules. Oh. There's no such thing as a normal-sized ogre. Ogres are mountainous. They're ever so big. And he's an ogre, so he's a big one. What other rules are there that you know? She thinks hard about it. Shrugs. It's it's mostly like my stories. Things go like my stories. And my mother's the queen, so she's in charge. Those are the rules. Everything follows the rules. That makes a lot of sense. Are your stories written down? Mm, they're in the library. Oh. Do you think we could all go to the library? I don't have the key, and mother won't share. Yes, but you are a princess, are you not? I suppose that's true. As I understand it, the library can be unlocked by royal decree. And you are royal. That is true. Maybe they can get it from the rhinoceros men. They have a key. Well, that would mean we have to go to a joust. I've always wanted to see one, but Mother says they're too scary. Well, today is your lucky day, Princess. His? Today will be a joyful joust with Jadun. Presence and convince. Neither at advantage nor disadvantage. The number to beat here is a nine. Ten with a three and a two on the dice. You managed to persuade her that this is her actual lucky day. And she stands like an inch taller, like just a, a slip of confidence, upper backbone of... Could be my lucky day if I wanted it to be. Maybe, maybe it is my lucky day. That could be nice. I like to be lucky. Doesn't happen terribly often. <coughs> well, there is an important thing that I, that I would like to share with you that, um, that someone told me once. The, the thing is this, why guess when you can test? What does that mean? It means that if you have an idea about something, or someone tells you something, if it seems like maybe it's not true, do you know it's true? Well, you should see if you can find a way to check. Mother's word is law. Everything she says tells me is the truth. She says so. Well, that would be another thing, wouldn't it? You have kind of blown the little girl's mind. A lot is going on and trying to suggest the scientific method to a seven and a half year old, a sickly seven and a half year old in a fantasy setting is like trying to shove a square in a tiara shaped hole. It's going to be a little difficult, but she says, I don't quite grasp it, but I'd like to see but you have to promise me something, all four of you, even the no-mouth man. What is that? If, if, if we do go out, you can't leave me. Don't leave me. Never. No, we won't do that. 
Alright. But I need to know something. What's that? In your stories, when people get locked in a dungeon, how do they find their way out? Oh, that's easy. There's always a secret way. A sneaky way. You have to be sneaky. I can I can get to the, the castle doors. And I'll be waiting for you, but I daren't leave the castle without without an escort. Those are mother's rules. Of course. But if you can be sneaky, then I'll see you outside. Good luck! And she uh, vanishes into the dark. What a sweet little princess. I like her. <laughs> I am deeply concerned that the reason that we are stuck at 1030 is because she does not survive past 1030. And her mother's doing everything to prevent her from... Well, that, that's not important right now. Let's do what we can for the young girl. Start looking for the secret passage. You are at advantage because the princess of this land wished you good luck. Give us an awareness and intuition for the finding of... The auditor is no help. Looking at a 16 with a 6 and a 5 on the dice. Is this, is this everyone or just... Uh, 16 is probably enough. The fixer follows his ears to the trickling water. The grate is firmly fixed to the floor and the stones. However, two stones over by the wall, when you're just experimenting and like poking around, one of the stones has give when you try to pry at it. Uh, if you wouldn't mind helping with this stone, I, th I think we might have our way out over here. Of course, I'll come help. Give us a coordination, since I know you have no strength. <laughs> this will take the two of you rolling, though, since this isn't the, the best attribute to be using for this. Coordination for the two of you. You're not quite picking a lock, so the difficulty of this thing that is not the easiest to remove is going to be a 15. Can we add athletics in? You can add subterfuge, because this is sneaky sneaky. <laughs> I'll take it. Ooh, okay. Sitting at a 12 with a 6 and a 1 of the dice. I got double right. ones. <laughs> okay. Maeve, you are trying to work your fingers around the stone and badly sprain two or three fingers on your dominant hand. You are going to be down a point of coordination for a solid hour because you rolled snake eyes. And Fixer is able to mostly get the stone out. Calamity, would you be able to give him some assistance? I'll hop, I'll hop in. <laughs> you can give us an actual strength roll, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't... Like, you can't have a zero strength, right? No. Two is average for humans. One is the strength of a sickly child. But since the stone has been loosened and pulled partly out of the way, the difficulty falls to 12 instead of 15. Okay. Is it athletics for me because I'm using strength? Strength and subterfuge because you're still trying to sneak and, like, do something without the guards noticing, which are tick-tock and several feet away and not facing you. So you're not at disadvantage. Well, yes, but... I don't have subterfuge, which means I'm at disadvantage. Let's take a look at your sheet real quick. Let's get creative. That's what you, <laughs> that's what players love to hear. You know what? Throw on survival. Okay. I think trying to escape a dungeon is suitably justifiably a matter of survival. Sure. Oh, I forgot the two. Um, so that's a 13 with nothing special. No, I take it back. I rolled 3d6 and it added them all up. I'm going to do that over. I only removed half of the disadvantage from before. Yeah, well, the, the princess wished you luck, so you've got that extra two. Oh, okay. There we go. 13 with a six. Yes, you successfully pry away the stone. Sure enough, there is a crawlway out of there. 
Thankfully, you guys are not dressed to the nines this time, or larger hoop skirts might be an obstacle to slipping out. Go ahead and give us a coordination or strength, since you're going to be crawling on your arms through a vent-sized tunnel out of the cell. And don't roll snake eyes. No promises. <laughs> 11, with nothing special. <laughs> We're still getting the plus two from uh, the princess. The good luck was uh, for finding the way out, but I'll allow it. Yeah, that works. So with with that extra plus two, we're looking at a uh, 11 with a three and a one on the dice. Uh, three and a six for a total of 11. Okay, 11's all around, my goodness. So yes, you guys uh, managed to make your way out, crawling through the tunnel. Maybe we can take the princess to the pond and see if she has any... Uh, Solutions for the frog problem. Oh, she may. You emerge from a grate leaving the castle and wind up next to the southeast wall of the castle. You make your way clockwise around and find Princess Matilda waiting at the doorway. She kept her word. She's not allowed to technically leave the castle on her own. And she bounces once on her feet when she sees that you made it out. Wave her over. Congratulations, congratulations. She waves her hand. As she approaches, I'm going to whisper to the companions, it would mean a lot to me if we could make this day really special for her. Of course. She looks at the clockwork guards and she says, How does mother say, As you were. And they, <laughs> and she tiptoes down the pathway from the castle proper and greets you. We're being sneaky. Am I doing it right? You're doing amazing. Oh, thank you. She grabs Maeve's thumb because that's the biggest thing she can wrap her hand around. <laughs> Hurrah. Now, before we go to the library, I thought we might stop by the pond. I We all saw a frog there earlier and we thought it might be cool to see if it's still around. A frog? Mm-hmm. Oh, I might like frogs. I don't know. I've only read about them. Let's go find out. We'll leave if you don't want to be there. Do you know Nigel the gardener? Nigel... I've heard Mother say the name, but I don't think I've... Perhaps in a dream once, I might have dreamed of of a Nigel. She dismisses it. You guys arrive at the pond where, sure enough, the frog is still hopping delightedly around around the pond. Oh, is that... That's, That's the frog. It's so small. Frogs are. Is it nice? Uh, well, it seems inoffensive as far as frogs go. <laughs> it's very fond of the pond. Or there's a rule. Might be a rule. Are there any rules about frogs? I only know frogs from books. Is he a prince in disguise? Maybe. How would you know? That's the thing. It's really hard to tell. Because of the... I mean, he doesn't have a crown that we noticed. No. Maybe you could ask him. Froggy! Froggy! Calamity, give us an awareness roll, Cebu Play. You're at advantage. This is not a difficult roll. This is this is 10. Uh, 11 with nothing special. The frog catching net is right where you left it. All right. Well, if you want to talk to him up close, um, we can we can probably just catch him in this net temporarily. Um, he doesn't seem to mind it terribly as long as we don't leave the pond. 
You're so smart, Calamity. That's such a good idea. Thank you. Catching the frog is easier the second time, especially since you have ingeniously created your own wait for it to come to you method. The frog hops around and right into your lap with the hoop of the frog catching net. So, who? Right. I mean, are there are there any stories about um, princesses being able to talk to animals? That seems like a thing. Hello, Mr. Frog. He doesn't say anything. I understand. When I was young, I read a story about princesses kissing frogs, but of course, you don't have to kiss anyone you don't want to. I've never kissed anyone before, let alone a little frog. I won't get a wart, will I? I don't think so. Calamity lifts the net to Matilda's face. It's like... Sometimes, when people are, um, when people are, you know, uh, friends, you know, they might... Like they might kiss each other on the cheeks when they are when they are when they are greeting. It is a polite thing. If you so, if you want to be friends with a frog, you could try that, and it would hmm. not be problematic. That's an excellent idea. <laughs> what a lovely suggestion, Miss Hap. It, yes. Would you like to be my royal advisor? You're so full of wonderful ideas. I mean, sure. I can't, you know, make any long-term commitments at the moment until we see really what's going on, but um, certainly for today. Just until 10.30. Oh, well, that's reasonable. Yeah. But yes, I'm happy to um, give good advice when I can. She puckers up. Calamity brings the bagged frog over and... There is a spark and a multicolored explosion of smoke that fills the air. There is a crack as the hoop stick flies apart harmlessly. And a man in very green overalls is suddenly standing like between you and Calamity and the princess. And the princess gives a little squeak like, ah, what? And this man with a handlebar mustache and receding fair hair looks around and uh, huh, no, don't! Oh, oh, oh! Nigel the gardener, I presume. <clears throat> yes, yes, that's me. Do, where's where's Daphne? Daphne! Shh. Calm. Lady Daphne is in the Whispering Wood, but she is still surrounded by worms, whose fluids will sap your memory. We will take you back to her shortly, but first, we have to take the princess to the jousting ring. She dives into the shed and there it shakes back and forth and smoke starts to emerge through the the seams of the boards as you hear an engine turn over inside the shed as the front wall of it just blasts off as Nigel atop the riding mower sized tree uprooter takes off and just just don't let the bad yoga juice touch you. Thanks for the warning. <laughs> and it makes a straight line across the pathway heading southeast and vanishes before it punches a hole in the walled fence and disappears into the trees. All right. Well, he's on his way now. He seems to know what he's doing. It's a pity because it seems like that thing would have worked out great in the joust. True. Too bad about the rules. It is against the rules, though. Right. <laughs> you can't joust on that thing. That would probably be cheating. 
It probably would. You're right. We should play by the rules. Do you have to bring your own ho like horse to the joust, or do they? Can you like rent horses? How does that work? I don't know. Let's find out. All right. Calamity's sort of vaguely looking around, like she doesn't see a stable. But if someone had burned it down, that would, you know, be fair play. So. Mm. <laughs> I mean, we've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really, can't really judge. Can't really judge. <laughs> Huzzah, what a glorious time for a joust. You make your way closer to the jousting tourney and find when you get there a long strip of dirt road divided by a safety bracket where massive horses are topped by equally large knights in different colored coats of paints on their armor. And as you walk as, as you walk closer, the Black Knight, who has once again donned his rhino-headed armor, is wrapping up a round of jousting with a green knight who is coming the other way um, in a slightly smaller rhino-headed set of armor. While two nobles, a lord and lady with, with a rhinoceros head, are standing atop this little dais here and watching excitedly as the Black Knight rides down the road and smashes the Green Knight right off his horse and he tumbles into the dirt and there's a from the crowd. You look into the stands on the far side of the tourney and everyone in the crowd is dressed in medieval regalia and half of them are very stilted, waving and cheering with their ceramic painted faces. And the other half, just mixed randomly, are more Jadoon, also in fancy refinery, going As the Black Knight mounts the dais and holds the pillow with the key uh, in his hand, like, and puts it back down as you approach. There is a chalkboard with a little lump of chalk where you can sign up for the tourney as the Green Knight's name is wiped with a cloth off of the board. And the noble Jadun atop the dais proclaimed, And there's, and the, the lady uh, rhinoceros holds up the purple pillow with a shimmering golden key on its surface and uh, puts it back down as the black knight squeak up. up the visor of his helmet and just snorts in your general direction derisively and then trot, 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 and swings off while the um, serfs and his uh, page uh, water the horse and brush it down and get ready for the 1030 joust. Walk over to the chalkboard, grab up a piece of chalk, and open my hand towards Maeve. I mean, don't we need <laughs> armor and a horse and something to joust with? <laughs> there are a variety of logistics that should probably be worked out, but I mean, I'm confident that we can. I mean, if we can do it, we should get that key. We don't know precisely how long we have to prepare once you put your name on there, so it might be worth asking a few questions first. Probably we have until 10.30. <laughs> right, but, you know. We also have a princess here, and I'd be surprised if the princess didn't have her champion's armor somewhere around here. Rules and all. She tugs 
on uh, Mayu's hand and asks, What's your favorite color? Hmm. I always liked red. <gasps> and uh, she points, What luck? And uh, there is a gleaming, brightly painted, candy apple red suit of armor, exactly Maeve's size, complete with helmet and a feather sticking out of the top of the helmet. And um, she says, I wish you luck, Sir Maeve. Thank you, princess. <laughs> Fixer, Maeve, Calamity, can you guys please give me an awareness and subterfuge roll, please? Ooh. And if you don't have subterfuge, use intuition. Got a 16 with a six and a five on the dice. I got a 17 with a six and a four. Okay. I got a 12 average to average. Calamity's looking around and like, yeah, you could start some, you could start some trouble here. Calamity's chaos would fit right in um, with all these, you know, all these clockwork things going around like clockwork. Those of you that rolled with a six on the die notice the rhino, the black knight has currently has his back to his horse as he is chatting up the crowd and his lady in waiting who is waving a black handkerchief as his favor. All the talk that's been going on of cheating and uh, fixing things. Fixer, you hear a little as your sonic gives a beep of it is functioning again. Excellent. Break it out, give a quick scan of everything and see what we can pick up. Give us an ingenuity and technology roll, please. Plus two for the Sonic and two for Time Lord. 16 with a two and a three on the dice. You are able to pick up that uh, the crowd is made of the same stuff as the seats they're sitting in. They are all, quote unquote, part of the show. Even the Jadoon? Oh, wow. There is a concentration around the Black Knight which your Sonic can only interpret as might of incredible strength. And as you're waving it around, uh, you get a similar reading from Maeve's pocket. Maeve, I believe it's time to accept a wizard's help. You mean take the potion? I'm going to take it out and look at it and be like, all right, if I turn into some theme park mascot. (laughs) (laughs) You might, given the rules around here. Really, if you think about it, my strength has been failing me basically since we woke up in that hole. You did see what happened with the the big stone in the hole, right? Like that was a pretty bad failure. Oh failure's well, strength. that's true. <laughs> right? How is your how how is your hand, by the way? I'm not very coordinated for another little bit, but uh, I am feeling a bit better. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. A little swollen. Well, maybe I can just sort of wrap it a bit and help yeah. just get through the joust without making it worse. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm just going to tear a bit off of the, like, pant leg of, of my jumpsuit, uh, just to do some, some first aid on, on Maeve. Maeve dons the, the red armor and steps out of the booth, and the sun glistens off of her cherry red armor. Maeve, would you like to spend a story point on intuition? Yes. You get the distinct impression that being seen Drinking a strength potion before running the joust, if witnessed, could be construed as cheating, so the trick is not to get seen. (laughs) Is there a way I could have done it before I stepped out? (laughs) You can absolutely say, oh, I forgot something and step back in. (laughs) Uh, One minute. (laughs) 
Maeve steps behind the curtain, pulls out the cork, and the potion hits your nose. It smells like sweat and cord rope and the metal of weights being lifted and lowered. Um, you can practically hear the clank ringing in your ears as you lift it to your lips and suddenly feel supplanted with might. The armor feels tighter across your back and across your biceps. You can't be 100% sure because you're wearing armor over it, but you feel like twice at least as strong as you were just a moment ago. And uh, Maeve emerges again from uh, the changing booth to raucous applause of like, you know, as uh, the Black Knight uh, swings a leg over onto his horse with help from his page. Yeah, well, same to you. (laughs) (laughs) There are in the crowd and from the robots in the crowd. Has Maeve ridden a horse before? I mean, I think she's probably had like a couple of lessons, nothing crazy, but she's she's ridden a horse, but she's not like a, a horsewoman. That's good. Since, thankfully, since it's not literally your first time on a horse, the auditor and the fixer help you uh, climb onto the horse, calamity lashing it around the lance so you have an easier time of keeping it in your grip. And the princess pulls another handkerchief out of her sleeve. And this one is red. So now it looks like the princess is waving your favor as you uh, head for one end of the jousting track. A third Jadoon, a squat little thing, steps up with a horn and... The Black Knight starts charging at you atop his terrible steed. And if I hadn't, there they are. And uh, he is going to roll to try to unseat you. He rolled a nine plus his strength. And that is what he is galloping towards you atop his steed. I would like you to give us a strength and athletics roll. You uh, have a plus six on the dice, courtesy of your strength potion. So nine plus the rhino's strength is a 14. Uh, Do I get plus two from the luck of the princess? Mm -hmm. From the princess favor? Yes, absolutely. Like the lance feels like it weighs nothing in your arms and the horse is going right where you want the horse to be going, right down the track. That is a four and a three for 15. 15, beautiful. Beating the black knight's 14, you hard on his backside with a thud and his helmet is knocked off as he looks completely bewildered and little birds and stars circle around his rhinoceros head. And he falls back unconscious. The Lord and Lady Jadoon uh, nearby shout, (laughs) As the squat little rhino man uh, offers you a hand to escort you up to the dais to receive your prize, as behind you the princess is like, I'm going to wave to her as I go up the little dais. (laughs) So, yes, you step up to the dais and the lord and lady knights up. 
And uh, offer you the pillow with a slightly oversized, like it's about the size of a large candy bar, golden key made of solid gold. Well, I will raise my helm and bow deeply and take the key and then hold it up for the crowd triumphantly. <laughs> Three cheers for Sir Maeve! <laughs> hip hip! Hooray! Uh, hooray! Hooray! And of course, bow deeply to the princess. And she curtsies and has a little bit of a steadier time this time because she's not overthinking things. Aww. Congratulations, you now have a key to the city. Add one story point. Bravix. Amazing. The princess's jaw is on the floor, essentially, <laughs> when, you, when you stalk back, when you stride back up with the key in one hand. Uh, your good hand, anyway. And she looks up at you in awe and just says, You're the bravest knight I've ever seen. You're incredible. Well, thank you. You are the bravest princess I've ever met. Maeve, give me an awareness roll, please. Fixer as well. Give us an awareness and time lord roll. Oh, that's a three and a one for an eight for me. You don't notice anything out of the ordinary. It's just, it, it is bright out here. Uh, looking at 11 with a four and a two on the dice. That is also uh, not uh, quite enough to notice something that is not a secret. Would you like to spend a story point, Victor? Yes, please. When Maeve tells the princess that she's the bravest princess she's ever met, you actually see clouds part overhead. Like ever since the queen had uh, her tantrum and used her powers to snatch the map out of your hand and explode Maeve's jacket into smithereens. There have been like more clouds in the sky and the rumblings of doom, but complimenting the princess and telling her she's brave has caused some of those clouds to part and the sky returns to its previous sheen. Well, shall we go find out what you can do with a key to the city? I'd like that very much. At the very least, the library seems seems productive right at the moment. It does. It does seem like a good idea. Princess, what is your favorite book in the library? Oh, it's so hard to choose one. I don't know that I could choose just one. You walk her back towards the city and the townsfolk where they ignored you as the princess is accompanying you and still holding Maeve's uh, thumb as you guys walk along. Like, they take notice of the princess, and they all stop, and like little movers on a, a, on a clock at the top of the hour, they stop and bow, and they curtsy. They pay attention to the princess and like do a little number, a uh, clockwork dance uh, of entertainment, staying out of her way. You know, they're not trying to bar her path or anything, but they, they do put on a, uh, some extra flair for her when she's actually present and not just background. So that's fun. You reach the center of Clockton proper, look around, the only doors with a lock on it of any size other than the gates, which are wide open at present, is the library. Well, you do the honest princess. Oh, but you won the joust. Well, I think it should be you. It is your library after all. I'll bet we go in there and there's every story you've ever loved in there. That could be quite nice, you know. I'll give her the key. You give the key to the princess. She holds it uh, up to the door and it slides into the lock like it was made for it. 
there's a clack and the padlock swings open and uh, falls right off the door with the key still inside. Good job. Shall we? Yes, let's. You step into the library proper. The library is dark, musty, and a labyrinth of shelves. All the books in the frontmost stacks are fairy stories. The Black Bull of Norway, Adipose in Boots, The Cyber Nightingale, A Thousand and One Gallifreyan Knights, The Dalek Emperor's New Clothes. All the books here are fairy tales of Gallifrey, or the Gallifreyan version of those fairy tales. Give me an awareness roll, please, everybody, with uh, intuition. I got a six and a one for a 14. 15 with a six and a four on the dice. I did not. I got a 13 also with a six and a one. Fixer's uh, six and the 15. You, like, as the princess starts flipping through a thousand and one Gallifreyan knights is uh, excitedly starting to flip through the pages, the Fixer starts, like, looking around, walks further into the library and deeper into the library until he reaches the back wall where hangs a tapestry bearing the seal of Rassilon, the slightly hourglass shape with uh, curly cues about it. Uh, the tapestry is fairly old and tattered, um, and it hangs blocking uh, a wide portion of the back wall. Is this a common sort of thing that someone would have, or would they only have that if they are part of uh, Rassilon's family slash house? Time Lord Decor has included the Seal of Rassilon before, but it does not feel like it is just a random thing to you, that it would be here and behind locked doors. Can we pull the tapestry to the side and just make sure there's nothing behind it? You slide aside the tapestry of Rassilon and find a heavy sealed door resting on the far side. Maeve, I wonder if that key of yours really is a key to the whole city, pointing at the lock. There is no lock. It is just sealed. Oh. I'll pick up the key anyways okay. and see what happens because we, and, and see if it, it unlocks it or unseals it. As the princess flips through a thousand and one Gallifreyan knights, you head closer to the door and try to find a lock somewhere that it will fit. And if you've ever tried to push together two magnets that are similarly pulled, there is light but benign resistance of trying to uh, access a sealed door with no lock. I'll turn it around and try the other side. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna. I'm <laughs> that might just work. Go ahead and give us a coordination and plus two for the key and subterfuge since you're trying to sneak into something. While she's doing that, Fixer, can you give us an ingenuity and intuition roll? So five and a two for 14. Opening a, a sealed entrance would be an 18 a la picking a lock. So that does not quite do the job. Can I add a story point? Hold that thought. <laughs> Fixer, what did you get? Which skills am I adding? Ingenuity and intuition. 12 with a three and a three on the dice. That is the averagest average to ever average. Would you like to spend a story point on intuition? Yes, please. You are in a fairy tale kingdom. There is a sealed door with no knob or keyhole. Traditionally in such stories, doors like this sometimes open to the right password. Oh. Calamity. Mm -hmm. I am facing a door 
that has on it a tapestry of the rulers, or at least the, the ruling group of Gallifrey. The door has no lock. It has no handle. What would serendipity direct us to do in a moment like this? Knock. Go ahead and knock. <laughs> you knock on the portal. It is solid metal. If only it was something as simple as open says me. The door slides aside. There is light from inside. It is not daylight on the other side. It looks like electrical light on the other side of the door. Step on in very slowly, very carefully. Is the princess still with us? The princess is with you and drops the book on the floor when she sees the door slide open and she hides behind Maeve. I don't, that's the scary room. I don't want to go in there. Have you ever been in there before? In my dreams. It's, it's, it's a sad place. Mother's always place. worried and sad in there. I don't want, please don't make me go in there. Vixa, I think I shall wait out here with Princess Matilda. Don't worry, Princess. Your brave knight will keep you safe, and we'll be back in just a moment. The no-mouth man, the auditor, gives her a reassuring pat on the shoulder, offers to go into the white room with the fixer. And of course, Calamity's free to, to come as well. I had presumed, but I'm just checking. You walk in and find a room of futuristic design, sterile, white, smelling faintly of antiseptic. Looking around reveals an empty med bed. This looks like a hospital room of some kind. There are no other doors out, only the open portal behind you. This place feels the same reality as the the kingdom that you have been in this entire time. You're looking around. Fixer and Calamity, can I please get awareness and uh, intuition rolls from the two of you? Absolutely. Please. And we are trying to beat a roll of 12, discovering an unsecret fact. 16 with a five and a six on the dice. I also have a 16 with a six. Calamity, your background in medicine immediately clicks of hospital room. This is someone was sick here. Someone stayed here long-term. As the fixer finds, just poking around, finds a binder, not an old tome, not something written on threadborn paper, but an actual binder made of modern materials for a single patient, a little girl named Matilda, all of seven and a half years old. What you're able to learn from the records is that the little girl was terribly sick and Time Lord Medicine was unable to fix what was wrong. Fixer, can you give me a knowledge roll? This is Time Lord knowledge, so this is gonna be ingenuity and knowledge plus two for Time Lord. You got it. 19 with a six and the four in the dice. You are able to explain to Calamity Gallifreyans at their absolute youngest are eight years old when they view the time schism and enter Time Lord Academy and pass through the various processes that a Gallifreyan needs to do in order to become a Time Lord and adopt the ability to regenerate. That is why this little girl hasn't simply just regenerated into a healthier person. She does not have that ability. Time Lord Medicine has not been able to fix what was wrong with the girl too young to be able to do those things. What if I were to build something to allow me to transfer one of my regenerations into her? Incredibly dangerous. Incredibly dangerous. There is no Gallifreyan tech in the white room. It is just the, the med bed 
and the records. I love where your head's at, but something that drastic in a location where the rules, etc., have not been clearly understood would be very, very, very dangerous. You're looking through the records and find that that the medical notes are from a doctor that signed Daphne. These are Cheem records. After the Time War, the Cheem began working on medicine specifically for Time Lords, and they tested these medicines on Matilda, who in the library proper is still hiding directly behind Maeve's armor. The child physically improved from the treatments, but remained comatose. And what you're seeing from these records, it looks like Makana refused the advice of her physician, Daphne, and took more drastic measures. From what you are looking over, there's material in the notes that Makana theorized that Matilda would be able to survive if she were hooked up to something called the APCN. APCN? Mm-hmm. The Fixer may be loosely aware of the Time Lord Afterlife that is the Amplified Panatromic Computational Network, or APC for short, also known as the Time Lord Matrix, a virtual reality that the minds and experiences of Time Lords, when they expire, are automatically uploaded to. The Time Lord Matrix has a number of uses, not the least of which is trying to predict the future or outline of like, well, if this happens, then this will happen. And if so-and-so happens, then, th then that'll happen. And you're looking over the records and realize that the thing that's been obfuscating your sonic and making it difficult to understand or get a, a read of this place, you have a sinking feeling in your gut that you might be in some version of the Time Lord Matrix. So does this seem to be like a sub-network of the Matrix, a completely separate standalone section, or something that could then be rooted back to at least allow other people in the Matrix to visit uh, the princess? Given your experiences outside and the relative small size of the kingdom, you get the impression this is a separate, smaller, rougher model a homebrew, if you will, of a program that is not designed for what it is currently doing. Okay. Do the notes say exactly what Dr. Daphne's advice was? Dr. Daphne's advice was to unplug Matilda from life support and see if her own internal vitals would take over as a reflex. Because while she was on physical life support, she was not getting any stronger and was staying in, the, staying in a coma. Oh, this is going to be a tough conversation. Okay, walking back out, looking very, very sad. Look at Maeve, then look down at the princess. Dear princess, you have a very important choice ahead of you that could lead to two wildly different adventures where you could experience amazing things. What's that? We could either help you leave this kingdom. Leave? I can't leave. But there is a chance it may not go well and you may not survive. But there is also a chance that we could help you leave this kingdom and you could go on to explore the far reaches of this beautiful reality we all have the pleasure of living in. But I, I, I don't understand. Um, this is real. This is, this is my kingdom. 
This is absolutely your kingdom, and if you prefer it here, I might be able to route something through a TARDIS to allow your kingdom to communicate to other kingdoms out there that would allow visitors to visit with you and spend time with you, new people. But you wouldn't be able to leave your kingdom ever again in that case. I'm sorry, I know this is a very hard choice. I don't, I don't know what to do. You hear rumbling in the sky, thunderclouds rumble louder. Through the windows over your back, you see the background light start to fade. Next to you, the auditor picks up the pad again and taps at the key covered in action lights. This key. He scribbles a outline of a crown above the above the key. Well, if I'm understanding our wonderful uh, auditor, we may have to head back to the castle to fix the situation. Yeah. Well, I suspect to even have the option of the choice that you are offering will require access, as it were. Matilda, have you ever have you ever read any stories about things beyond the sky, about stars? Stars. Stars are something that happens when it's not 10.30 and the sun goes away. And it can be scary sometimes because there's less light. But there's a lot of light above the sky uh, when the sun is not there. And all of those lights are places like the sun that sometimes have worlds around them, like this one, only they're all different. Some of them are wonderful and some of them are... Some of them are frightening and... All of them are amazing. It is a very much bigger land than this one. And it is often dangerous. And there is no one writing that story. It just sort of happens. Everyone is making it up as they go. So things don't always work out. But that means that even more than a place like this, it needs people who are good in it and want to help make it better. So this is the choice that the Fixer is offering you when he says that there may be another place and another life that you can lead. But it is dangerous even if you get there, even if this were to not allow your, your sickness to overcome you, uh, <coughs> that things may still not go right. No one can guarantee that. But I think it's, it's important to try because that's really what life is, right? It's just trying and seeing what happens. In the tiniest possible voice, the princess whispers to Calamity, I might like to try. Calamity, please add two story points for truly excellent role play and connecting, like the earnestness and the sincerity you have managed to use plain speech, talking with respect to a small child, which is not the easiest thing to do. And you have put an idea in her head that has that was not there before. She nods. I, I, I might like to try if, if you will be with me. I, I would be, but we, we shall probably need your mother's help if you are to do this. So we will have to talk to her and she may be angry and you'll have to be brave if she's going to listen to you. Right. Can you do that? Maybe. I could try to be brave if you will all be with me. I, I, I don't know how to be brave on my own. 
Of course, we're not going anywhere. Trying, trying is all is all we want. It's all we have, really. You guys step out of the library. Clouds have started to circle and swirl around the castle, complete with lightning crackling here and there. As from the castle walls, you can hear echoing, Where is she? And the clockwork people in the square are not moving anymore. They have all stopped. They're not in your way. They are not hindering you. They are not attacking or anything. You have the storm clouds gathering over the rumbling castle and uh, the... tree-shaking footsteps somewhere in the distance outside the, the castle gates. As the <clears throat> continues, the clockwork guards spring, haha, into action and uh, start to swing the gates closed when the princess says, No. 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 I don't... I, I don't want to stay in the town anymore. I want... I want to see new things with Calamity and her friends, and Brave Sir Maeve, and the Fixing Man, and the No Mouth Man. That is what I want. From that quiet little voice, the gates stop right where they are and are still wide enough open. Overhead, the Queen's eyes superimpose over the storm and narrow on the group of you. Look up, Wave. <laughs> A voice echoes and rumbles across the kingdom. You will not defy me here! We should probably have a conversation. Do you want to do it at a reasonable volume or just this? <laughs> there is a cyclone. Uh, smoke gathers and whirls and forms a narrow tornado right in the town square crackling with lightning and tornadoes down. And when it vanishes again, the queen is standing there, her fist wrapped around a ring of keys in one hand and a fist. How dare you separate a mother from her princess? Rumble, rumble, rumble. I will not be disobeyed! There is a chance we could bring your daughter out of here and she could live a full, long life. Are you able to accept that your fears may be misplaced in this moment so that we can help? Fears? And she steps closer. There is no greater fear than a parent has for their child. The pain you must be feeling this entire time must be so immense. To have everyone back home tell you that there was no solution? She stomps the ground, cracking the cobblestones under her feet. You. Talk to me about fear! And the lightning crackles and strikes about two feet away from the fixer's foot, leaving a glowing red cobblestone. The gates are still open, and that is when Lady Daphne and the, the gardener Nigel just walk up to the gateway. Lady Daphne says, They're right. You've done horrible things. Taken away our freedom, taken away our choices, taken away our very ability to speak, think. You had no right 
Makana turns on her. I am queen. I have every right. Have you considered that you might ask your child what she would like? She is very smart and very brave, and she might have her own voice and her own ideas about what she might like to do. The princess, still gripping, white-knuckling Sir Maeve's thumb, and says, The knight is right. I deserve my own say. After all, I am the princess. The cobblestone that was glowing red is replaced with a normal, unstruck stone. The cracks in the ground uh, resettle as if they were never there, and the clouds part in a way that could not possibly be natural because it is still thunderheads over the queen as over your small party the clouds part and leave you in a shaft of sun at 10.30. You don't have the right. It's not right to keep my friends here, and you should let them Leave, mother. Fixer and Maeve, can you both give me presence and convince roles, please? You are trying to appeal to the queen. You are, the princess is trying to help, but uh, the queen is, oh no. Yeah, that's, that is an 11 on the dice with a six plus her own resolve, which is considerable in this place. So what you are trying to beat 16. A total of 10 with a 3 and a 2 on the dice, and I would like to use my remaining 3 story points if possible. I got double ones. (laughs) (laughs) Maeve opens her mouth to continue to try and persuade. Because the princess has singled you out as her friend, that's when the queen snaps a finger at Maeve and your mouth vanishes off of your face. You can still breathe normally through your nostrils, but speaking more poisonous words into the princess's ears is presently not possible. You would defy me in my own kingdom, turn my princess against me! Mm-hmm. No, we would save you and your princess and give you the opportunity to live in the way that you had always wanted to. Fixer, you are standing up to this woman who at this point you know is another time lady. All of her efforts to thwart you, get rid of you, throw you in the dungeon have not worked. And uh, her resolve is starting to buckle. And you notice that the keys in her hand are practically glowing red with energy output as she struggles to hold on to them. Can I try to quick draw my sonic stylus and shut the keys off from a distance? You can try, absolutely, yes. This is going to be technology and ingenuity plus Time Lord plus two for the sonic itself. And you are at advantage because you are starting to understand the rules of this place and what the keys do. I got a 22 with a (laughs) six and a five on the dice. Hang on, I'm just gonna uh, do the queen's contested. Okay, she only rolled a seven with nothing special on the dice. You quick draw and sonic the keys. There is the twisting and whine of metal being pushed past its breaking point, and one of the keys on the ring snaps and explodes into golden sparks. Maeve's mouth is restored. The auditor's mouth is restored, and whatever traces of muck stuck to the Lady Daphne's skirt vanish off of her. 
the queen did not roll well enough to hang on to the keys after the one exploded in her hand and the keys drop dramatically to the ground a crack narrow zigzags from the cobblestones splits maybe a foot or two deep out of the village proper and down the road as the queen falls to her knees just holds her face in her hands as she starts to sob with the keys out of her control and her emotions in such a state, the wind picks up. Instead of a controlled storm that has been gathering overhead, it just starts wind pounding the square. The wigs fly off of the heads of the nearby clockwork folk and are just simply gusted away as cracks form in the buildings around you and even the sky above. The auditor, whose mouth has been freshly restored, grabs the fixer's shoulder. There are laws to this place. There's always a doorway out of here, but we have to get to it now, or none of us are going to make it out of this. I missed your voice, auditor. Do you have any idea where the store might be? I'd say give us a, a would you like to spend a story point for intuition, but you don't have any left. I spent them all to, yeah. I will spend a story point if I can. Oh, lovely. I have some other thoughts. Calamity is going to yell at Daphne over the sound of, you know, uh, the world ending. Daphne, is the ogre a manifestation of her illness? Daphne nods and tries to shout over the howling winds and her voice is just drowned out. Calamity, from everything you've seen here today, when the map was still in one piece with the various dots swirling around on it and the memory you have of the ogre's presence being a swirling black hole atop the blackness of the cave mouth, you are 100% certain that you are right of your estimation that uh, the ogre is very much tied to this and could very well be a manifestation of her illness, if not just her fears in general. Okay, good. So, right, where's the key to the city currently at this moment? Uh, the key to the city, I think Maeve still has. Maeve, I need the key right now. I'll toss it to her. You toss it, she catches it. Okay, and then basically Calamity is going to start running in the direction of the ogre rumbling, um, pulling out the sleeping potion that she got from the wizard a billion years ago um, at, at 1030. Uh, and basically she's just sort of saying to the key, I need to go very fast, also very high. I'm really, really intent on it. I'm not a girlfriend, so, you know, if you could help me out here, that'd be great. I have 10 story points. You look down and Princess uh, Matilda takes your free hand. I want to help you. The key that you have in your hand shines like a beacon and casts a beam out of the city along the fault line crack that has split through the gates. You look out of the city proper as The ogre approaches the city proper. He is easily two and a half stories tall. Various clockwork people uh, look around in fear and concern as a particular heavy footstep shatters them on their feet. The clockwork people just fall to pieces. The girl squeaks with fear 
and shouts at the top of her lungs, I'm trying to be brave, I'm trying to be brave! Yell, yell back across the, uh, over the storm. Take this as I hand her the potion that the uh, wizard gave me in a case where our courage fails. I'm gonna, and I'm, as I hand it to her, I'm going to say, the wizard made this for me, but I feel like its magic is really meant for you. The princess pries out the stopper, the potion for courage, and stands just that little bit taller. And there is color in her cheeks that replaces the pallor of, like, shaking white leaf fear. The ogre towers overhead and looms and puts its hands on either side of the gates to pry them open as roots from the ground fly up out of the dirt, commanded by Daphne, who you successfully freed, and ensnare the ogre's feet. And it can't move as it struggles back and forth, and it falls to its knees. Calamity, you have the sleeping potion in your hand, hurls it with all the accuracy and might that 10 story points can garner as this ogre is snarling and raises a fist to just smash you all into a sticky paste as the bottle falls right down his mouth and and falls like a felled tree. He lands jaws first in front of you on his belly and his head is turned to one side as his mouth is lists open. Fixer, you feel as the fabric of this place continues to tear itself apart. The membrane, like the cl- the closest edge of this place that you can feel is not in the forest. It is not behind you in the castle. It is down this thing's mouth. Okay. First go over to uh, Queen McKenna. Attempt to, to give her a hug and while I'm giving her a hug say, you were only trying to do what you could to keep the people you love safe. I understand that. We have to go now. She is kind of broken. Her will, her power, her kingdom is falling apart around you as the cracks deepen and the buildings collapse and crumble. Behind you, the jousting Jadun look around in fear as they evaporate and Maeve and Calamity feel the vice-like grip of Matilda's hands wrapping around their thumbs. We can be brave together. And she tugs on your, your hands to lead you down the ogre's throat. Is McKenna with us? The queen is uh, being held up by the fixer. The gardener, Nigel, and Lady Daphne, after Maeve, Calamity, and the princess trepidatiously enter the ogre's mouth, the tree lady and the gardener uh, are the next to climb in and vanish. The auditor waves quickly and says, Fixer, there's no time, come on! Engages you to to come with and bringing Makana. Bring uh, the queen in tow, we go down into the ogre's gullet. Okay. Fixer, Maeve, Calamity, you emerge through a portal of shining white light into a laboratory with bright electric lighting, Gallifreyan architecture, and a sickly girl 
strapped to uh, various sensors reading her vitals on a med bed. The fixer and the auditor pull Makana through the portal as it sparks, gets louder and louder like something horrible might happen before the whole thing just shuts down. You look behind you and see Gallifreyan machinery that has been cobbled together, jury-rigged from blueprints, basically a, a home-from-scratch machinery to build a smaller, self-contained Time Lord matrix. Basically collapses and catches on fire once it has been uh, deactivated. The girl slowly sits up on the bed as Makana collapses to her knees. She pulls off the diodes reading her vitals and she yawns and looks at the group of you. What's your name? Right here. Lady Calamity. The Fixing Man. You were in my dream. What are you doing here? Look at the clock quickly. What time does it say? 10.30. Does it look like it's about to hit 10.31? It beeps over to 10.31. Welcome to 10.31. We just wanted to be here when you woke up. Cut to the Fixer's TARDIS. It is a day or two later. Matilda is expected to make a recovery in another couple of months. Uh, she'll be strong enough to face the Vortex and begin her own process of becoming a Time Lady. Makana has been taken into custody for crimes against the Cheem and counseling. Makana was a part of the Gallifreyan Council. She wasn't at the tippy top, but you are able to learn that uh, she was one of the directors of overseeing the running of the APC network. That's what gave her the idea in the first place of trying to jury rig this thing. Matilda is going to make a full recovery under Daphne's care with Nigel there as the nurse. You are all normal again, your mouth works. When you emerged from the portal, the red armor that Sir Maeve was wearing is replaced with their original outfit. The same is for Calamity. The leg of fabric that you tore off to bind the lance is back where it was like it was never torn off in the first place. The Fixer's TARDIS is able to scan you all, is able to discern that there are no lasting harmful side effects of being physically present in a virtual environment that was not designed for physical things to be in it. Fixer. Yeah. You and Maeve and Calamity have rescued a princess and saved her from a wicked queen. Brought a kingdom down, but a kingdom made of dreams and power bent into the wrong directions. But you have saved a little girl. You have saved the princess. Calamity, how does that feel? Well, it's a good start. But uh, especially, you know, given that uh, her mother is going to be indisposed for a while, I promised that I would not leave her. <laughs> they can they can arrange visits once once she's uh, had enough counseling, and they've got time travel, so it'll go by quicker than you might think. Yes, but I promised I would not leave her. So until she does have someone. She has Lady Daphne. She has Daphne looking after her like a second mother. I just want to check in as the GM. Are you okay? Yes. Okay. 
I, I, I'm not in the habit of making my players cry. I don't mean to. Oh no, that was a beautiful, beautiful episode in many ways. But it is up to it is up to her. <laughs> it is up to her. Can I ask if we could, for the next couple of adventures, simply base ourselves on Gallifrey and then head out from Gallifrey to go on each of the adventures? So that way we are basically staying there and care- helping caretake until, you know, she's in a better in a better situation. I am going to say no. Not the least of which, the fixer has to follow his own rules, and he is on his semester abroad which means yeah. uh, not going back to Gallifrey, not to mention that Maeve and Calamity have no distinct interest in seeing your home planet with an entire galaxy out there. But Calamity and Maeve, all of you, have been staying close while Lady Daphne has been running her tests. And when it becomes clear that Matilda will make a complete recovery, she and she started taking walks around the, the hospital garden, and the walks are getting longer every day as her strength returns. She hugs you both tightly. Thank you for being my knight and my advisor in my dream. I don't know that I would have ever woken up without you. Well, you did most of the work, obviously. It's true, you were very brave. I do, I do want you to remember that even though, you're, even though your mother got very angry, and she did very bad things, that she does love you, and I think she did the right thing by accident, so to speak. Uh, I think that you getting better was made more possible by what she did, even though it was horrible. Because that's sort of how the world works, that you can always find something good to take out of anything. What is Calamity's favorite color? A solid color. Yeah, that's a trick with Calamity. <laughs> We're gonna go with chrome. She pulls out a shiny <laughs> handkerchief. Don't be sad. I'm, I'm going to be all better. And she hands you a sparkly handkerchief. Thank you. It is up to you how you feel about your mother, but I want you to, I want you to think about it, what I said, when, when she gets better and you see her again. You're very, very wise, Calamity. And Maeve, you told me to be brave. So Maeve the brave! <laughs> And she kisses your cheek. Lady Daphne can't resist handing her a tongue depressor. And she dubs both of your shoulders. I name thee Sir Maeve the Brave. Thank you, Mr. Fixing Man. We'll kneel down next to her. Pull out one of the uh, communicators, the cell phone style ones. Mm-hmm. Hand it to her and, and I'm going to say, we're so proud of you. So incredibly proud of you. And I know that your, your mother is too. You're going to face some things over the next couple of years that are going to be overwhelming. And in those moments, you can always call us anytime you need. And who knows? Maybe, Auditor, when I uh, graduate, I can uh, take this young hero on as uh, my student. The Auditor puffs his chest with a little bit of pride and says, I could think of a worse apprentice, you know, but I'd have difficulty thinking of a better teacher. Gives you a wink. You hand her the phone as Maeve, your pocket reporter, which is sitting on the table where Makana stole it from you after she knocked you unconscious and threw you into a, a magic kingdom, the Deepadeets. Well. You have an update, your next assignment. Your presence has been requested at the official coronation 
of Lexi VII as new empress of the Bernese system, sponsored by Snackums. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, my lovely players, for joining us today in part two of The Keys to Fairyland. I could not be prouder of you as players. I could not be more pleased with the emotional depths that you guys hit. It was magnificent to watch. I would love, I would absolutely love to go around the table and give out some wonderful experience points for you magnificent, magnificent players. Kate, Sir Maeve the Brave, a moniker that may stick. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow, you you jousted a Jadoon right off of his horse. <laughs> Wonderful! <laughs> Same to you. <laughs> How would Maeve uh, report on today's events? having survived them. Well, I think Daphne would like to find out more about the specific illness that Matilda had and maybe uh, raise some awareness and encourage uh, other medical experts to research this disease more and maybe find a cure. Mm -hmm. The disease in question was caused by fallout from the time war. Um, it is one of the unpleasant after effects of the entire grisly business. A number of planets were affected by the time war that were not directly involved, and um, the Cheem homeworld was one of them. And for their efforts in supporting the Time Lords afterwards, they have formed a bit of a symbiosis of, mutually bene of mutual benefit, trying to help each other out. Incredible work, though. Sir Maeve the Brave. <laughs> Dora! Hi! Sorry I made you cry. Hi. Oh, well, that's all right. What does Calamity make of walking around in a fairy tale for a day? I mean, it was, for Calamity, you know, it was a it was a fairly slow Tuesday. But, <laughs> um, but the, like everything, there is, <clears throat> there is good to be found in every experience. Uh, and she, uh, she found it very novel in a way that is, uh, is specifically delightful for her. Yeah. Um, that it is a an experience not only that she, you know, has never had before, but one that she had not imagined having. And that's a real gift. I am so glad. I am so, so glad. Brand. Yes. Hi. <laughs> yes. Hi. The fixing man. The fixing man. Hello. What surprised you most about uh, the second half of today's mod? There was a, there was a bunch of stuff. Oh, I, I didn't expect that whole interaction between the mother and the daughter to hit me so deep and so hard, and it did, and it, it like, all the feels. All mm. the feels. Yeah, Makana is an interesting NPC, and an example of the worst that can happen with the best of intentions, and also just an example of that Time Lord arrogance. I know best. I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to listen to anyone else. The result 
was a mostly working clockwork kingdom that was also doomed from the start. There was no way it was going to sustain. There was no way it was going to last forever, but it lasted long enough to get through 1030. I would like to give all of you two experience points before we head into our penultimate mod of the season, the crowning of Lexi the Seventh, brought to you by Snackums. Do any, okay, so now that you've survived the mod and gotten through it, do you guys have any questions? Do you have any, any uh, comment? Do you want to share highlights of, of what each other did out there? Because you guys did some amazing stuff today. Maeve the Brave, Calamity the Wise, Fixer the Fixing Man. I really loved uh, Pandora's suggestion for the door to just knock. That was so wonderful. <laughs> That's such a on-point serendipity I mean, idea. They don't. They don't have to be wacky if there's an obvious option, right? <laughs> you just have to do something, right? Yeah. I was hoping the princess thumbing through a thousand and one Gallifreyan tales might help, since Alibaba and the Forty Thieves is one of those tales. You are not the first team to have a moment of struggle uh, in front of the sealed hatchway before someone says, well, it can't be, it's not open sesame. It can't be open sesame. And that's when the door <laughs> slides. <laughs> I was going to try speak friend and enter. Wrong franchise, but I love where your head's at. <laughs> this mod is as close to a game of King's Quest as you're ever going to play in Doctor Who, where the things you do in the forest impact what you find at the wizard and the potions you pick up are there for you to figure out and use later. And freeing Daphne by getting the frog kissed means that the roots will be available to trip up the ogre later and cause an effect and cause an effect. And you guys did everything yourselves. Oh, yeah, it's... I, 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 I'm tickled by this mod. I love the, the Jadoon. Oh, don't roll the show, it's all cool. Um, that's a lot of fun. I want to give Maeve mad props because I loved the knightly protector role that you took on. Sorry, Kate, I want to give Kate mad props for the way that Maeve took on this amazing knightly protector role for this um, child who's clearly struggling. And that was really beautiful. It was really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and yeah, like the um, the fixer, like basically being um, under a bunch of like tightly lidded stress, like, cause there's the normal, you know, there's terrible danger and, you know, and people are in danger around you and like you've brought some of them into it and then you're responsible for everything. And then on top of that, you know, it's like, PTSD specifically um, and I I think that was that was uh, that was coming off very well and you did you did a great job with that uh, thank you I, I don't I don't I don't envy you the 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 the, the, the role play choices uh, <laughs> but but then I'm I'm one to talk about you know uh, doing things that are going to uh, uh, hurt me inside <laughs> there's a certain joy that I now have in every time I come into a situation as the fixer, I really look at Calamity as sort of the equivalent of like a spiritual guide for these mm. moments of like, oh, well, the universe is acting in ways I can't possibly understand. So obviously, she's going to know the answer. Mm. <laughs> That's fantastic. One of the things I love about this game in general, not just this specific mod, 
is the chance for, and it's not deliberate, um, but there is an opportunity for some catharsis as characters find solutions to seemingly overwhelming problems. There's relief, there's pride in oneself, there's excitement about latching onto an idea that works that you didn't think would work. Um, and yeah, I, I, I almost want to apologize for like traumatizing you guys. Um, with the mother-daughter dynamic amped up to 11 with a ring of magic keys. Um, you are also the first guys to, uh, the first group to sneak out of the dungeon, given that you're also the first ones to get locked in the dungeon, so <laughs> products for that. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of small percentage paths there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just have to say thank you for the, um, because, you know, this was this is Calamity's uh, first uh, uh, first mission, as it were, uh, with a fully functioning brain. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, like, I, I imagine that it might have been throwing some people off because, you know, she's she's not doing her normal hijinks. Um, and like people sort of are leaning in that direction. Right. So there's nothing there's nothing. In, there's a Calamity shaped hole. And, you know, so they're just you guys are tumbling into hijinks. And I'm like thinking all the time uh which, which is hard to do with calamity but um but also you know it, i know her pretty well by now but but i wanted to thank you for the feeling of that being uh rewarding of, of thinking being rewarding right because like because i'm just the way i play games i am always like i am always trying to 100 percent them <laughs> um i'm like how, where are all the levers that I can pull to make all of this work out and, and be perfect in the end? And uh, and so I was just sitting there thinking quietly for a lot of the time, just thinking about all of the things we had seen and all of the levers that you had offered us and, and then like feeling them all fit into, you know, place like puzzle pieces. And I was like, at the very end, I was like, oh, there, yes, that. Uh, that is That is a beautiful feeling and it is very hard to come by in tabletop. So, kudos. I am touched and gratified. I always like trying to put together a puzzle and presenting the pieces in an order that leads you to the next puzzle piece and also makes the last puzzle piece make more sense when you get to it. And I can't think of a more way to jump into that than you wake up in a pit with no idea how you got there, none of your gear, and, (laughs) you know, whoopsie (laughs) boo-boo. I am, I am truly touched. Thank you. There's something about Doctor Who where not only is violence not the usually the answer, but the solution can be found inside of the problem. Whether it's hoisting them by their own petard, convincing the people that they actually have their own strength and can be rallied to it. Those are both very Doctor Who to me, but we're also throwing in all of the pageantry of the Jadoon and the clockwork folks. And the wizard who sounds a bit like Tom Baker. <laughs> but yeah, and the cheem. But yeah, I'm I'm delighted. I'm so glad you guys all also had fun, had an emotional experience that was positive, and got invested in these characters. That's that's freaking magic. All of you please take 
two experience points plus a third for the nods that you received from each other. I'm just proud of punch of all of you. You guys have been magnificent. I feel like it would be hard to not raise resolve after this one. <laughs> right? This seems like a gimme. One would hope. I think uh, Maeve is going to need to do some jumping jacks, eat some Wheaties, <laughs> maybe lift a couple weights. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and finally, to our listeners, another big Big thank you for sharing your precious time with us. If you feel it's been well spent, please share anywhere but now with your friends who are looking to enjoy themselves. If you like what you hear, leave a review, rate the show, follow us on Blue Sky, join us on Discord at anywhere but now and wherever you get your podcasts. Send your questions, your fan art, and theories if you got them to anywhere but now podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, if you'd like me to run a game of your very own, find me on startplaying.games. From all of us, I'm Casey Jones. There are exciting things to come, my friends. I am so glad you're along for the ride. Thank you so much, and have a great day. <laughs>